Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 19. Three years later. So, what we're doing here, just so we're sure, chapter 17 was one year later. Chapter 18 is year two. Chapter 19 is year three. These ladies are literally doing one interesting thing per year. And it's all around setting something up. So she got in good with the casino, with the Italians in year two. In year one, they purchased the land. Year three. Let's see what's happening. Let's follow up. Carter emerged from the prison and looked up at the sky. Wait, what? This nigga got parole, I guess? Nigga, is you on parole? Um, anyhow. Carter emerged from the prison and looked up at the sky. It was the first time that he had seen the sun without wires and barbs interrupting the picture. His appearance was different. He had grown a full beard and his body was chiseled to perfection from the time he had dedicated to his body. We're doing this again. His face held a scar from a fight that had broken out in the yard, but still his swag was the same. His walk was still powerful, his stare still deadly, and his mind sharper than ever. The past five years had changed him, and for the better. He looked back at the prison as he thought, I'll never let a man put me back in a box. Ever. So, two years in, they decided to go to... What? Wait, what? So I guess they're saying that the uh, when uh, Broom was killed, they're saying that that was his first year in prison, that that was Carter, Zaire, and Monroe's first year in prison. But they don't indicate that times passed after that, you know? And Broom, it seemed, had been set up to die from the moment that Carter and Mia Moore got married in the prison before he signed the paperwork taking the plea, the guilty plea. So somewhere along the line, we just completely missed two years. Um, I know that was a whole phase where uh, Breeze went to see Zaire and he was like, don't come see me anymore. But when he went to see, when she went to come see him, he told her explicitly, it says, he touched her, stroking her hand. This is Zaire and Breeze. He touched her, stroking her hand, her face, inhaling her scent. He didn't want to forget one detail. In five years, she will be different. Year one is when they moved to Las Vegas. Year two is when they uh, get the... Uh, they get the actual land from Lisa Matthews. Year three. Oh, so it just says year one, year two, and then it says three years later. So I guess that means three years after year two. But you can't do one, two, three years later. Like that's that's just that throws people off. And now I'm like, is it one or is it the other? You know, one year later, two years later. Three years later, but 
year one, year two, three years later. Okay, we're just going to say that that's equals five years because that's what they want us to say. As he strolled over to the black Maybach that awaited curbside, he frowned as he removed the prison-issued shirt, revealing a white tank top underneath. I, I still don't say wife beater, y'all. It's just such a horrible name for a shirt. It's such a horrible thing that became part of the lexicon and nobody ever says anything about it, but that's not cool. He was relieved to see Brock, his old driver. It wasn't the first face he wanted to see, but seeing as how he had been released six months early and wanted to surprise me and more, he would have to be patient. Good to see you, boss, Brock stated. Carter slapped hands with the seven-foot killer and pulled him in for an embrace before stepping into the car. He smiled when he saw the Cubans waiting for him in the seat. He quickly clipped the ends and sparked a match as he puffed the cigar to life. As the smoke danced in his mouth, he savored the feeling of freedom as he melted into the leather seats. I thought that would be your speed, boss. My nigga, you thought right, Carter said. My nigga, you thought right. Where to? Carter tossed the prison shirt out of the window as the car pulled away from the curb. Take me to the nearest Neiman's, my nigga. It's been four and a half years since I seen my bitch. I want to walk back into her life and be the same as she remembered, Carter said. Time seemed to stand still when he saw her. Five long years had passed, and he sat back admiring her as she walked through her beautiful casino, smiling graciously at the players. The dealers seemed to fawn after her. He could see the admiration in their eyes as she blessed each of them with the bit of her presence, even if only for a second. The casino and resort were flawlessly designed. He saw Mia Moore's personality throughout the entire establishment. She had chosen every detail from top to bottom, and its modern vibe was impressive. She had gutted the place completely, and if the crowd was any indication, then business was booming. He couldn't be more proud. Mia Moore moved around the casino like a fish swimming through water. This was where she belonged. She was in her element, and he found her incredibly sexy. The way she commanded respect, the way her beauty stood out amongst the sea of people. She was radiant, and in that moment, he didn't think it was possible to love anyone more than he loved her. His eyes scanned the room, and he immediately peeped Fly Boogie, sitting back hawking Mia Moore's every move. She was protected, and he made a mental note to hit Fly Boogie off with some bread for being so on point. He didn't want to interrupt. Instead, he turned around and walked back out of the door. Mia Moore was busy right now, busy holding him down, busy being the boss, and he wouldn't interrupt that. He would re-enter her life when the time was right. Mia Moore felt the hairs on her neck stand and she turned around, scanning the room to see why she was suddenly paranoid. She felt eyes on her. It was a murder mama in her. She always knew when something in the universe was off. She felt like she was being preyed on. She tensed and as soon as her smile turned into a frown, Fly Boogie was out of his chair and across the room at her side. You good? He asked. Yeah, yeah, she said as she shook her head. It just feels like someone's watching me. The entire room's watching you, Ma. You're the star of the show, he said. This feels different. I need to go upstairs for a while and regroup. I'd feel much more comfortable if I wasn't naked down here, Mia Moore said. You don't need to strap, Ma. You're protected within these walls. Anyone breathe on you too hard, I'm plugging them, Fly Boogie stated. Relax. No one's here to hurt you. The people come here to see you because you make them feel like you know each of them. You're like a drug, Ma. They can't get enough, and as long as they see your face, then wallets stay open. Do you. I got it. Mia Moore nodded and continued to seduce the room, but she still couldn't shake the eerie feeling that suddenly killed her vibe. She saw Lena coming through the casino, impeccably dressed and cuffing legal documents in her hands. Hey, where are you headed? Mia Moore greeted her. They kissed once on each cheek. I'm headed to financial to drop off these insurance papers, and then I'm conducting interviews for a housekeeping manager, Lena said. Where's Breeze? Mia Moore asked as Lena began to walk away, obviously in a hurry. Lena shrugged. If I see her, I'll tell her you're looking for her. And the kids? Mia Moore asked, yelling after her. They're with Aries. Mia Moore nodded and tried to go about her day, but something was nagging her. She had no idea that Carter was free, but she would soon find out. As soon as Mia Moore stepped into her suite, 
The overwhelming aroma of fresh flowers invaded her senses. Her mouth dropped in an O of surprise as she looked around. She was baffled. This was a romantic gesture, and although she was aware that Fly Boogie was fond of her, he knew his place. He would never cross that line. Would he? She thought, confused. She picked up her phone to call him. If he was responsible for this, she had to correct this problem. She didn't like how good the gesture felt. It was time to create some space. I gotta put some distance between me and his charming little ass, she thought with a smirk as she shook her head. Perhaps being her personal goon was becoming a bit too personal. She was flattered, but she was also taken. She would give nothing but heartbreak for the young kid. She hit the dial button and placed the phone to her ear as she made her way further into the suite. Hello? He answered. Fly, we need to... She halted her step and stopped mid-sentence when she looked out on the balcony. A shadowy figure stood, overlooking the strip. Alarm shot through her. If Fly Boogie was on her line, who the hell is that, she thought. Hello? She asked again. There's someone in my suite, she whispered. She hung up the phone and tiptoed to the couch, where she kept the gun tucked underneath the cushions. She removed the small twenty-two and let the gun lead her to the balcony. It was dark. The only light that illuminated the space was the glitzy lights from the streets below. The only reason I'm talking first instead of plugging you with holes is because my suite is full of flowers. Who the fuck are you? she asked. Ask questions last next time, ma. Never give a nigga a chance to catch you slipping. The gun fell from Mia Moore's grasp as she cupped her mouth in complete shock. Carter? she whispered. He turned towards her his hands tucked in his gabbana slacks. Oh my God, she whispered as tears filled her eyes. Suddenly, Fly Boogie's boyish charm was the furthest thing from her mind. Carter Jones was a man, her man, and he was 100% all man. Ah, man. The way he hung the Italian cut suit made her heart swoon as she ran into his arms, their lips meeting while his hands roamed all over her body. I miss the shit out of you, Mia Moore, he said, practically growling into her ear. She could hear his need and feel it, too, as he pulled her behind into him. His kisses stopped her from speaking, and his fingers ripped her panties to shreds as he lifted her leg, leaning her against the balcony door. When he filled her, she gasped. It had been so long since she had felt him inside of her, and she fit him like a glove. He grinded and she bucked hungrily, his face buried in her neck as lust took over them. His dick hadn't been wet in five years and it was too long for him to do any real damage. When he came, he didn't pull out. He spilled his seed inside of her. He would give her ten babies if it meant their souls could unite. Panting, he placed her on her feet and rested his forehead against Mia Moore's. Her hands touched his face to make sure that this was real. She had dreamt of their reunion so many times that it felt like she was in a daze. If you ever leave me again, I'll kill you, she cried, her tears burning her eyes as they slid down her cheeks. Five years is too long. It felt like a lifetime, she wept. Finally, she was able to free the turmoil that she had concealed since the day he had been taken away. There was no better feeling than his embrace as he wrapped her in his arms. Shh, I'm back, Mia. I'm home and I'm never leaving again. The only thing that will ever take me away from you is death, he promised. That's good because Fly's about to shoot him. She forgot to tell him Fly's on his way up. Who the fuck is that? Carter asked as he adjusted his clothes. She pulled her skirt down and followed him inside as she wiped her eyes. It's probably Fly, she said. I called him when I saw you standing on the balcony. My murder mama called Fly Boogie, he asked. He your bodyguard or something, Carter said. He's not the same kid he was five years ago, Mia Moore said. He's put in a lot of work for me over the years. I trust him. Yo, Mia Moore, Fly Boogie's voice came through the door. Carter pulled it open and Fly Boogie's eyes widened. He was caught off guard at Carter's presence. Oh shit, my bad fam, he said. I thought there was a problem up here. I didn't know you were home. When'd you touch down? Welcome back. Just now, Carter replied. You good? Fly Boogie asked Mia more directly. She nodded, giving him a half smile. She could see that his feelings were slightly hurt by Carter's presence. 
They had spent a lot of time together over the years. Now that Carter was home, that was surely cease. She was recognizing the signs of a crush from Fly Boogie. She hoped that Carter wasn't getting the same vibe. She's good, Carter confirmed, answering for her. We could chop it up tomorrow, little homie. I heard you helped hold shit together in my absence. I'll get with you. Have a good night. Carter closed the door dismissively and turned back to Mia Moore. Where's my son? He asked anxiously. He's at home with Magdalena and Aries, Mia Moore said. This ain't home? Carter asked, looking around. No, this is just a suite that I keep here at the casino. I'm usually here all day. I like to rest or switch clothes without having to leave the property, she revealed. She grabbed his hand and pulled him into her. The home that we've built here is amazing, Carter. It took so much work and so much time, but we did it. I did it. For you. I'll show you everything tomorrow. We might as well spend the night here. CJ's already asleep and you and I have a lot of catching up to do, she whispered seductively. She planted a kiss on his full lips and then dropped to her knees. Carter's head fell back in bliss as she went to work. She was determined to show her man just how much she had missed him. Tonight would be all about his pleasure. Chapter 20 Sparkly diamonds and foreign cards are some of the pros. Lena I'm so proud of you, Carter. Tonight belongs to you, Mia Moore said as she stood in the doorway, watching as the resort tailor hemmed Carter's pants with Gucci suit. He looked exactly the same. The five years away had done nothing to age him. The only change she could see was a scar that ran along the side of his face. Even still, he was the most handsome man she had ever seen. If anything, the scar had added character. The years apart had almost made her forget how much his presence filled the room. Carter Jones didn't even have to speak. His aura was simply boss, and Mia Moore felt a silky wetness building between her legs just from looking at him. Carter shook the Asian man off. Thank you, Juan, Carter said, calling the man by name. He was making it a point to learn each one of his employees. And considering that Zwan did excellent work, he used him every day. He adjusted his steel gray jacket and twisted his cufflinks as he stared at his reflection. Retrieving his money clip from his inside breast pocket, he removed a $100 bill and handed it to the elderly man. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Carter nodded and Juwan left the room. Mia Moore came up behind him wrapping her arms around his shoulders as they stared at the perfect image of their reflection in the full-length mirror. I couldn't have come this far without you, Ma, he said. Neither could I, she replied. Just because you missed the past few years doesn't mean that anyone's forgotten the work you put in. You're the king, Carter. It's time the Vegas witness your crowning. What's the status in Zaire and Monroe? Carter asked. Everything's fine. They'll be here. Tonight, the cartel will be whole again. There are no missing pieces. It will go perfectly. Trust me, she said. She kissed the back of his neck and then walked out of the room, leaving him to his thoughts. She had an entire glam squad waiting for her at home. Breeze could hardly breathe as she waited for Zaire's plane to land on the private clearport. Loneliness didn't quite describe the despair that had fallen over her while he had been locked away. She had fallen into a state of depression, one that she hidden well, but depression all the same. She didn't have a child to look after or to substitute for the love that Zaire gave her daily. So without him, it was just her, and it had been a struggle to get through every single day. Letters and phone calls did nothing for her soul. Over the past few years, her heart had deflated, but as she saw the lights from the incoming plane, she knew that all of her pain was about to be erased. She had driven herself. She didn't want anyone to witness their first moments together. It was intimate, private, and she wanted Zaire all to herself. She got out of the car, too anxious to wait inside the captivity of her BMW X5. Why am I nervous, she thought. Butterflies danced in her stomach. As the plane gently touched its wheels to the ground, it brought a forceful wind with it. Her expensive dress and flawlessly silked hair blew all over the place, but she didn't care. She held her breath as the plane's door slowly opened and a staircase was attached to its side. He emerged, suave like a model out of GQ magazine. He was already dressed to escort her to the grand opening. A man in a suit had never looked so good. 
He stood at the top of the steps, mesmerized at her beauty. It had been so long since he had laid eyes on her that the image had become fuzzy in his head. He had forgotten how truly radiant she was. His memories had done her no justice, and when he saw her kick off her red bottom heels and start running to him full speed, he smiled. He walked down the steps and she jumped into his arms, practically tackling him to the ground. His usually prissy princess didn't seem to mind that her custom Alexander McQueen gown was covered in dirt from the unpaved landing strip. She cried a river as he fisted her hair while kissing her passionately. Welcome home, Zaire, she whispered. Never, ever do that to me again. I won't be. That is my word, he replied. He stood to his feet, attempting to dust off his clothing. I take we're not going to the grand opening. He reached down to help her up and then scooped her into his arms as if she was a new bride. The last place I want to be is around a bunch of people. I want to go home and I want you to put a baby in me tonight, she whispered. I want a piece of you that I get to keep forever. It's time to plant seeds, Zaire. It's time to grow our own family. I'm not comfortable in Las Vegas. The cartel doesn't feel the same. Aries is here, and as long as she's around, I don't want to be. Really? Five years in, you're still, but you're leaving the kids? Really? Really? Okay. Breeza held her tongue about Aries because she knew that her presence was necessary. Zaire was the only one she could speak openly with, and she had no problems admitting. She is not and will never be on my team. She scares me. You tell me you want to leave? Zaire asked. Did she threaten you, B? It took quite a bit to get Zaire angry, but the thought of malicious intent against Breeze was all it took. It's not what she says, Breeze replied. It's what she doesn't say. She has a vendetta against the cartel. She tries to hide it, but I'll never fully trust her, and I don't feel safe. She's too close for comfort. Don't worry about that tonight. As a matter of fact, I'm home. Don't worry about that ever again, B. Zaire said as he placed a hand around her shoulder and pulled her in for a kiss. Consider it handled. Daddy, Daddy! Monroe 2. I guess that's supposed to be Monroe the second. Monroe the second was a replica of his father, and as the eight-year-old came rushing to him with the speed of a young athlete, Monroe felt an emotion burning his eyes. It wasn't until this very moment that he realized how much time had gone by. Damn. I've missed so much, he thought sadly. When he had been locked up, his son was a toddler. And when you were dead, she was pregnant with him. So really, you ain't seen this nigga at all. Like, you were in a coma when she was pregnant with him. And when you got out, she was like, he was like one or two. And then you went to overseas and stayed overseas for like six months. And then you went to jail for like five years. I'm just saying. Three years old to be exact. Now he was a big kid and Monroe was feeling conflicted about how he hadn't been around to raise him. He remembered the lessons that Big Carter had drilled into him. There had never been a day that his father had not been there. He couldn't remember one time where he had wondered, where's Papa? As his son wrapped his hands around his waist, Monroe held him tightly as he stared at Lena from across the room. She didn't see him but he admired her as he spoke to his son. I missed you, man, Monroe stated. You've been taking care of your mama, being the man of the house? Uh-huh, Monroe answered. You held it down like a G. I'm proud of you, son, he said. I know I've missed a lot, but I won't miss another day. That's my word, and if a man doesn't have his word, he doesn't have nothing, Monroe the second finished. Monroe nodded. His son had a roughness about him that reminded him of his brother Mecca, and it took everything in him not to drop a tear. There were cameras all around him. The media had covered his release as if it was a red carpet event, but his goons kept him at bay. He didn't want anyone to get too close as he reunited with his family. This was a personal moment. Ma will be glad that you're back. She was sad while you were away, Monroe the second said. Monroe frowned and looked his son in the eye. Why do you say that, son? She would cry every night when she thought I wasn't listening. After she put me to bed, she would go in her room. She said your name and her prayers all the time, his son informed. 
informer. You know my mom was crying while you were away. Because you were locked up. Dad, you were in jail. And she was at home praying to my God about you. And she was crying too, informer. You know you weren't here when I started walking. Do you realize that, Dad? Because you were dead or you were in a coma. We don't really know for sure. But now you're back with us, Dad. Monroe pulled his son in for a hug and then straightened out the collar to his Oxford shirt, making sure his son was put together well. You will never hear your mother cry another tear over me. Your word? Monroe the second asked. My word, son. Monroe responded. Damn, his son talks a lot like just grown-ass niggas. Your word? Ma was crying over you, son. Ma was crying over you, son, dad, son. He stood and watched as Lena talked to a group of people. The casino was impressive, and he sat back admiring what their women had built as pride filled his chest. Lena had held up nicely under pressure. Ironically, the weakest link in them all had turned out to be a diamond after all. The grand opening was a success as the massive crowd slightly obstructed his view, but he maneuvered until he had come up on her from behind. Lena smelled his signature perfume before she saw his face and she interrupted her conversation with the mayor to turn around and search for him. She was breathless when she spun and found him staring her directly in the eyes. He caressed her face with both hands, cupping her cheeks as he gave her a single kiss on the forehead. Hey you, he greeted as if no time had passed. Hey you, she responded. He pulled her onto the dance floor. She giggled slightly, feeling as if this were a dream. Gangsters don't dance, she said. Yeah, well, this gangster has some making up to do. So dancing, holding hands, midnight strolls to the park. I'm going to be doing all that sucker shit until I made up for my absence, he said with a charming smile. Happiness melted all over her face. You like that cornball shit, huh? He laughed. She shook her head. No, but I love that you know that you have some ass kissing to do. The new G-series Ben Truck will do just fine, she replied. Oh, really, he said, finding her incredibly sexy. She had changed, grown, coming to her own during his time away. He loved this new version of her. Absolutely. A prison bid is one of the cons of being married to a kingpin. Sparkly diamonds and foreign cards are some of the pros, she replied. She planted a seductive kiss on his lips and whispered in his ear. The cameras from the paparazzi flashed all around them, but the couple was in their own little world. I miss you, Monroe Diamond. Welcome home, Daddy. She pulled his hand and led him off the dance floor. Now, let me show you around your new casino. Chapter 21 I get everything I want. Yasmin. Mia Moore smiled as she danced with her baby boy, holding his hand as she bent down to kiss him on the cheeks. He was clad in a Ralph Lauren suit, and as she turned her head to see Carter watching him slowly... She realized that life could not get any better. She held out her hand for him to join them, and Carter shook his head to decline, but gave her a wink instead. Carter had never imagined that the fruit to their street labor would be so abundant. But Vegas seemed to be the reward. For all the loss, the bloodshed, the misery that the cartel had endured, they had finally reached the ultimate goal. Legitimacy. As a live band switched tunes, he checked the presidential on his wrist. It was almost 9 o'clock. It was time to send the children home with Magdalena so that a night of true celebration could begin. He motioned for me and more to come off the dance floor. She was now grooving with CJ and her nephews Trey and Monroe Jr. She left the boys to entertain themselves as she went to her husband's side. Have Magdalena take the kids back to the condo, he said. Cool. You want me to send Aries? Me and Moore asked. No. She needs to be here. She helped build this. The men, their families, the entire cartel get to enjoy this night, Carter said. Miamor kissed his cheek, recognizing his nostalgia before walking away to dismiss the kids. He watched Miamor hustle out of the room, but tense when the feeling of soft hands covered his eyes. Guess who, Mr. Jones? He turned, stepping back to create some distance. Yasmin, what are you doing here, he asked. He was cool under pressure as he rubbed his freshly lined goatee. You think my father would invest in a casino without protecting his investment? 
I'm his eyes and ears, she replied. That's the same. This is literally the same exact fucking thing they did with Ileana. Ileana was the eyes and ears for the Mexican cartel whole drug thing. And she rode in the truck up with Zaire. And then they fucked in the truck. This whole thing. Ileana always got what she wanted. She was the princess of the, of the Mexican cartel. <sighs> After hearing that you were out, I couldn't help but make the trip. We have unfinished business, Mr. Jones. Carter smirked at her persistence. Even after five years, Yasmin didn't give up. She was a lioness on the prowl, and she was looking for a king. She was prettier, more mature, and more glamorous. In another lifetime, perhaps she would have been his lady. But in this one, the competition for his heart had already been won. What business is that? he asked. She stepped close, standing next to him as she leaned in his ear. Carter kept his eye on the crowd, not even looking down at her as she whispered, No one has fucked me quite right since you, and I know that little ghetto girl of yours can't suck your dick like I can. She's trash. Watch your mouth, Carter warned, still keeping his eyes straight forward. She cut her eyes at him. You know you don't love her, Carter. If you did, you would have never slept with me. Silly man, she said with a mischievous grin. If you think I came here to be turned away, you're mistaken. We both know the connection we shared while you were in Saudi Arabia. If you like, I can refresh your memory. She caressed Carter's hand, but he quickly gripped her wrist tightly and pulled her across the room until he found a corner of slot machines that was practically empty. He cornered her against the wall. Look, Ma, this is my life. Shit was good in Saudi. I'm not going to play it like it wasn't, but it isn't laying like that between us over here. I have a wife now. A family. Yasmin reached down and massaged his print, feeling his thickness through the fabric of his pants. He shook her hard, slamming her back against one of the machines. The hell's wrong with you, Ma? I said it's not happening. He thumbed the center of her forehead. Get that shit through your head. Because, you know, the one thing that tears down every single thing that the cartel puts together, it seems, is women. They are irresistible to women. They dick the women down because why not? And then the woman becomes absolutely infatuated with them and shoots Breeze or shows up and all this kind of shit. She reached out to him, grabbing at his lapel, but he dusted her off him as if he were removing a piece of irritating lint. He was trying to save her. The way she was acting, she would blow up her own spot and get herself whacked. My bitch ain't about them games, he thought, shaking his head as he walked away briskly. You know what I never think of my wife as? My bitch. I just, I just, I, I can't, I can't fathom it. Like, I know y'all hear me say the word bitch on here. And if you listen to like uh, Hindsight or Cocaine Cougars, you hear me say the word bitch on there. But I never think of my wife or women as bitches. I just, I can't. And especially not somebody that you adore so much like, oh, he's my king. Oh, she's my bitch. Like even the music I listen to and I listen to some songs like Me and My Bitch by the Notorious B.I.G. Me and My Bitch by uh, MC8. Two completely different songs, by the way. And I still don't think of my wife as Ja Rule's down ass bitch. I still don't think of my wife as my bitch. I think of her as my partner, my best friend, like all these things. But my bitch has never came into it because I still think of bitch as something that is disrespectful no matter whom you're throwing it at. So I'll call a dude a bitch. And now I'm wondering if by calling a dude a bitch, I'm not, no, 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 I'm not even going to do that. I'm not. I'm not going to say that I'm calling him a woman because that will be bringing it right back to the center. But you know what? I realize that I'm calling him something that is disrespectful and derogatory because he's going to think that I'm calling him a woman. So he's going to be disrespected by that. And women hear me calling him a bitch and they think that I'm saying something about a woman. So you know what? I'm just going to X the word out the game. I'm just going to exit out the game. I'm just going to cross it out. I'm going to call people fucking goobers now. Dude, you fucking goober. Yeah, I'm going to call people goobers. And mugworms. Mugworm griblet. Still one of my favorites. He didn't realize that his face was scrunched until he found Mia Moore. What's wrong? He straightened his brow and took a deep breath as he replied, Nothing, ma. Everything's good. 
Good, because it's time for the ribbon cutting ceremony and for you to make your speech, she said. Monroe made his way to Carter's side and they hugged jovially. We made it, bro, Monroe said. We'll always make it, Carter replied. He looked around. He had his left hand. Now he was only missing his right. Zaire was his hitter and it wouldn't be right to bust his cherry without him. The casino symbolized their rise into greatness. He had helped to achieve it. It was important that he be a part of this moment. Where's Zaire? Breeze isn't going to let that nigga come up for air anytime soon, Monroe replied. We can get started without him. Me and Moore walked up on the small stage where the live band was playing and signaled for them to stop playing as she took the microphone. Good evening, everyone. First, I would like to thank you for all coming to the official grand opening of the Da Vinci Resort and Casino. I would like to introduce you to the owners of the Da Vinci, my husband Carter Jones and my brothers, Monroe Diamond and Zaire Rich. Let's give them a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. Me and Moore walked off stage as Carter and Monroe stole the spotlight. As she stepped off, she was yanked into an empty broom closet. She protested, but her hands were held tightly at the wrists as the hand quickly covered her mouth to silence her scream. Chill, Mia Moore. It's just me, Fly Boogie stated. Mia Moore snatched away from him violently. The fuck is up with you? I had to talk to you, Ma, Fly Boogie said. You haven't fucked with me since Carter's been home. It's been days, Mia Moore. I called you like a hundred times, Ma. Mia Moore shook her head. It was now confirmed that she had him lovesick. He was handsome, paid, hungry, and she had trained him to be a killer. But he wasn't for her. He didn't have enough teeth in the game to even look her way. Her resume trumped his. Even if she wasn't in love with Carter, she didn't have time to grow Fly Boogie up. They weren't in the same league. Fly, my man is home. My husband, she said. I know, and I respect Big Homie, but I'd be lying like shit if I told you I hadn't been thinking about you. I'm feeling you, Ma. I know it ain't supposed to happen like that, but it's true. Seeing you on this nigga's arm is making me sick. <laughs> this nigga sound like the niggas who are in an affair. Like the side dudes who are like, I saw your whack-ass boyfriend today. I saw his whack-ass. Fly Boogie stated as he cornered her. He reached down and seconds before his lips touched hers, she turned her face, causing him to kiss her cheek. Stop. Just stop, Fly, she protested. Carter will murder you in this bitch. If you've never believed anything before, please believe that. Just do your job, Fly. Remain loyal. I'm not the girl for you, and these are not the kind of problems you want. I don't understand why they decide to write this in, like they decide to write this love triangle in there, because Fly literally knows what's up. Fly literally, like I said before, literally went to... um. Odom and told him if you keep fucking with this boss's woman you're gonna get fucked up so why is he now trying to fuck with his boss's boss's woman who tells him over and over again that she's not interested in him I mean I do realize that Carter is of the mindset of I like to break down that resistance and get that ass but still golly look at this shit ma he said, pulling up his sleeve to reveal a tattoo of her name on his wrist. The fuck? I'm riding with you, me and more. Everything I do is for you. I'm stacking my paper for you. Have you lost your mind? What if Carter sees that? What does that mean, she asked. Fly, get a hold of yourself before you put yourself in a position that you can't get out of. You didn't feel nothing. Ooh, that's a horrible period. That is a that is unnecessary. You didn't feel nothing when Carter was away and it was just me and you. Tell me I'm imagining it, Fly Boogie challenged, wearing his heart on his sleeve. Over the years, Fly Boogie had fallen for me and more. She was the only type of woman he could see himself with. Carter coming home had thrown him off. He couldn't stand the sight of them together. It pained him greatly despite the fact that he knew what it was. This nigga's the next murder. Like, this nigga isn't, like, he doesn't have the body count, but this nigga's acting just like murder. Murder died, and this nigga immediately stepped into her place. She looked into his handsome face and thought, If Carter was any other nigga, I would give you what you asking for, little boy. But he holds the key to my heart. Mia Moore didn't respond. She simply walked out of the closet while shaking her head in disgrace. 
She wasn't a liar, and she didn't want to insult Fly Boogie's intelligence. They had connected. She even enjoyed his company. Many nights, they had stayed up until the sun came out, talking about the game, about life. His presence had made things a little less hard. She couldn't tell him that she hadn't felt anything, but she wouldn't confirm that she had either. Even thinking it made her feel like she was betraying Carter. With her thoughts running rampant in her head, she bumped straight into Yasmin. I love your dress. What is it? Yves Saint Laurent? Yasmin asked, playing nice. I had one just like it last season. I know one thing you didn't have last season, Mia Moore shot back. She wasn't even going to pretend to like this girl. She had no time for games. Not when Fly Boogie had her flustered and bothered. Yasmin pursed her lips as she waited for the punchline. Mia Moore pointed her manicure finger up at the stage where Carter charmed the crowd. That's all mine, she said. Yasmin rolled her eyes as Mia Moore joined her husband on stage. By the end of the speech and the ribbon-cutting ceremony, Carter made all the attendees fall in love with him. What is Yasmin Baraka doing here? Mia Moore asked, leaning into him so no one could overhear her disdain. Her father sent her. She's here to stay, so play nice, Ma. For me, Carter stated. I don't play at all. The sooner she learns that, the better. I have no problem shipping her ass back to the Middle East in a box, she spat. Carter was already feeling the heat from the mistake he had made years ago. He only hoped it didn't come back to haunt him. He had to make sure that Yasmin could keep a secret. Because if his infidelity ever got out, he could lose it all. Look, y'all are angling too far into this if his infidelity ever got out and her showing back up for this not to turn into a thing so just make it a thing and get to the end of it nigga we're 89 percent done with the book which is incredible because i'm only on like part eight but still i'm okay with that i am literally okay with y'all zooming through these books you can make these into novellas for all i care going forward these can be on amazon uh kindle unlimited like 100 page books and i'll be good with that why exactly were the Italians brought in on the deal? Carter asked. It was the first words out of his mouth as Mia Moore walked into their condo. She was carrying a sleeping CJ in her arms. It was the first day that she hadn't had to rely on Magdalena to play mommy. She had spent the entire day with her four-year-old, and she was exhausted. In so many ways, being a regular wife and mother was more taxing than running an entire staff at the resort and casino. The last thing she wanted to do was come home and go over every single move she had made while Carter had been away. That's the first thing you say to me? I haven't seen you all day, she said as she pouted playfully. She carried CJ into his room and laid him across his bed before rejoining Carter at the dining room table. He requested that every contract that had been acquired during his absence be copied and sent to him. It was all laid out in front of him as he tried to wrap his brain around the entire operation. He couldn't be a boss without knowledge. He didn't want to have to go to Mia Moore every time someone asked him a question. He was playing catch-up, and it was overwhelming. Okay, Mr. Jones, the Italians, Mia Moore said rhetorically. Well, Jim Salerno runs this town. He's old school. Mafia. I couldn't get the gambling commission to approve my license application unless I cut a deal with him. He has a 10% stake in the Da Vinci. I'll make the introduction if you like. Carter nodded and pulled her into his lap as he kissed her shoulder. I'll set it up for the morning. Carter and Mia Moore stayed up half the night as she filled him in on business. She was thorough and ran through it all, leaving no detail up in the air. While she had him talking, Mia Moore's thoughts drifted. She didn't like how Yasmin suddenly had a vested interest in the Da Vinci. Where the hell was she when I was building it from the ground up? Can I ask you something? She asked. Anything, Ma, he replied, distracted. Mia Moore used her forefinger to turn his chin towards her. I need you to be honest with me, Carter, she replied. And I need to see your eyes when I ask you this. Her tone worried him, and he gave her his attention. You ain't got to tiptoe around anything, Mia Moore. I'll tell you whatever you want to know, he said seriously. Have you ever fucked with Yasmin? She asked. The question caused his heart to stop, but his face remained the same. He wasn't one to lie, but he couldn't admit to that, so he's one for lying. I'm just saying, it's just right there. To dig up skeletons from years ago would only bring trouble. 
He didn't want to upset Mia more or give her insecurity about Yasmin. He had told himself that it would never happen again and he had meant it. No, I wouldn't have her here around you every day if I had. I wouldn't disrespect you, Mia Moore, he said. As he spoke, he felt like scum because that's exactly what he was doing. Yasmin had an inside joke on Mia Moore and he knew how catty women could be. I gotta take care of that, he thought. You don't have to worry about that, okay? Mia Moore wanted to believe him, but her intuition was telling her otherwise. He had never lied to her before. It was she who had been the deceiver in their relationship. Even if she didn't want to, she had to extend the benefit of the doubt. Okay, she replied. Carter saw the doubt in her eyes. The fact that she couldn't hide it told him that life was about to get real messy for him. Straightening out things with Yasmin would have to be the first thing on his agenda. Fuck the Italians, Carter thought as he shook his head. They're the least of my worries. I gotta get this shit together before it blows up in my face. Carter, Zaire, and Monroe sat in the affectionado bar, sipping cognac and puffing the finest cigars as they absorbed all that had occurred. It took a lot to get here, bro, but we made it, my niggas, Monroe said as he raised his glass in the air. Indeed, Zaire agreed as they all touched glasses. There are a few things that could be fine-tuned, but overall, the girls held it down. If it weren't for them... Monroe didn't even get to finish his statement before Carter interrupted. We would have been stuck in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia wasn't so bad though, my nigga. The bitch is over there, Monroe replied, shaking his head. Speaking of, Carter said as he leaned forward and rested his elbows against his knees. He lowered his voice. I need the two of you to run interference on Yasmin. Keep her away from me and more. I don't know why she's here, but the heat is hot at home. She thinks me and more some regular chick, but my little mama don't do the catty shit. She'll set that trap and have Yasmin plugged. That'll be bad business for everybody. I told you that one was bad news, Zaire said. The smartest thing to do would be to send her ass back to Saudi Arabia. Baraka wants her here, and we kind of need her. She has experience running the casino. If she can keep her head on straight, it'll be a good look, Carter said. As if they had spoken her up, Yasmin came waltzing into the bar. Her presence was like a magnet, and the men in the building immediately turned their attention her way. She was a beautiful woman. That much could not be denied. Here you are, she said with a smile as she stood. Hello, gentlemen, she added, nodding at Zaire Monroe. Do you mind if I borrow him? Monroe nodded as he grinned, knowing the delicate position that his older brother was in. Carter gave him a stern look, then followed her up to her office. He was glad that Mia Moore had played the back that day. Since his return, he knew that she was trying to let him find his footing in the casino. Today, her absence gave him the perfect opportunity to iron things out with Yasmin. As soon as they were inside the privacy of her office, Yasmin was all over him. I missed you, Carter, and ever since I saw this desk, I've imagined you fucking me on top of it, she whispered. Her seductive ways enticed him. He hated that she was so damn sexy. A lesser man would have taken her up on her offer, but he wasn't a dog. He wasn't in the business of lying. Cheating took too much effort. He grabbed her wrists while she tried to undo the buttons of his shirt while rubbing her body against his. Wait. He wasn't a dog, but he was a dog in Saudi Arabia. He's not in the business of cheating, but he cheated in Saudi Arabia. He's not in the business of lying, but he's been lying about what happened and you know the rest. Like, you can't write him off to be, oh, he's just a man who made a mistake because you don't slip and fall in the pussy. He literally could have said no in Saudi Arabia. He said no to the rest of those women. Yasmin, stop, he said sternly in a low, no-nonsense voice. Mm. She moaned as if she couldn't help herself. You know I'm never going to stop. I'm married, Ma. It was different when we were in Saudi Arabia. Things had changed, she said. We can't do this. Oh, we can, Yasmin stated. And we will, as often as I want. Because if you don't, I'll ruin your marriage. You wouldn't want that little black bitch to find out about us now, would you? 
Carter placed his hands in his pockets to stop himself from laying hands on Yasmin. His jaw tightened instinctively. He didn't take kindly to threats, and she was testing him. Just for getting flip at the lip, he wanted to wring her pretty little neck. She was too comfortable, too close, and he wasn't feeling the thin line she was dancing on. Perhaps I'm not making myself clear, he stated, his voice dangerously low. I eliminate anything and anyone who poses a threat to my family. There's no way I'm leaving my wife or allowing you to embarrass her. So do your job, let's make this money together, and forget about the past. Yasmin chuckled. Carter's threats only made her want him more. It was his gangster that she loved the most. Forget about the past. I'm I'm still confused. I'm sorry. It was one time. Like, he cheated five years ago. And she's like, I've been thinking of your dick ever since. That's a magical cock. Which one? Oh, sorry. No, I'm, my bad. That was... Uh, loving my wife and her sister too or they said that, that nigga had a short strong dick forget about the past you wish you could Carter how many times did you think of me at night while you were locked up the way I wrapped my lips around your dick or the way my body molded to it as I rode you you probably see my face when you're fucking that average wife of yours we're done Carter insisted We'll see about that now, won't we? She said as she licked her lips. Because I'm just getting started. She reached down to stroke his manhood and it jumped. She was like a snake charmer, commanding it at her will. He gripped her hand, but she was insisting that she massage his rising manhood harder as she undid his slacks. I think that's racist. Calling her a snake charmer because she's from Saudi Arabia? I think... He didn't even feel her slide his cell out of his pocket. He was too focused on the arousal she provided. Maybe I'll just get rid of your bitch of a wife altogether, and then I'll have you to myself. Everything in him wanted to bend her over and punish her. She was right. He had fantasized many a time before just off her memory. But it was only a physical attraction for him. The more she played this game, the more she put his family at risk. The more she held their tryst over his head, the more his mental despised her. Carter pushed her off forcefully, causing her to stumble as she crashed into her desk. He glared at her as he adjusted his clothes. You're biting off more than you could chew. Stay the fuck away from my wife. With pleasure, as long as I don't have to stay away from you, she replied. She hopped on her desk and spread her legs as she moved her panties aside, massaging her swollen clit. Join me? It was a temptation that not many men could resist, but Carter knew that dipping in the Yasmin was like sinking in the quicksand. An affair with her would drown him. He fumed as he slipped out of her office, shaking his head in dismay because he knew the Yasmin was a problem. She was playing hard body, and it seemed that the only way to control her would be to comply. Or, you know, you could tell your wife the truth. It's scary, I know, but if you tell her the truth, then she has no power over you. None. Otherwise, her slick talk would get him caught up. A part of Carter wanted to just come clean to Mia Moore. The secret keeping covering his tracks was boggling his mind. He needed a clear head to take hold of the casino operations and to move the resort in a new direction. He couldn't focus on business when his personal life stood on rocky ground. If Mia Moore uncovered the truth on her own, her wrath would be severe. Yasmin thought she had control of this little game, but what she didn't realize was that she was playing Russian roulette. There was only so many times she'd be able to pull the trigger before Mia Moore popped off. Mia Moore sighed in frustration as she was sent to voicemail for the fourth time. Where the hell is he? She whispered as she slipped into her shoes. An impromptu meeting with the mayor of Las Vegas had popped up, and she needed Carter to be there. She was supposed to make an introduction. Right now, all of the major players in the city were familiar with Mia Moore. They knew her as the owner, the face of the casino. Easing Carter into prominence was important. He couldn't officially be on the deed because of his prison history, 
but it was an unofficial business in a city like Las Vegas that made the world go round. She wanted to be the lady on his arm, but his presence was required in order to make that happen. She was beyond irritated. Relax, he'll be here. I'm sure he's just busy. His phone is probably in his desk. When he gets to it, he'll be here, Bree said. In the meantime, Money and I will take CJ for the night. Why are Money and Breeze together to take CJ for the night? What? Is that a typo? Did they mean to say Zaire? In the meantime, Money and I will take CJ for the night. Thanks, Breeze, Mia Moore said. You're a lifesaver. Already packed his bag. She walked into her son's room to find him sitting in the middle of the floor playing with his toys. She loved her son, more than life itself. She couldn't wait until things were settled. She just wanted to be a wife and a mom. She could hang her holster and her business hat up. She would be completely content with being Miss Jones forever and ever. You ready to go with Auntie Breeze and Uncle Money? She asked. Yeah, he shouted. He hopped up and ran to Breeze who was standing behind her. Can I get some love first? Mia Moore said with a laugh. Her son ran back to her full speed and kissed her on the cheek repeatedly, inciting laughter. He knew exactly how to fill her with joy. He then rushed out the door, following Breeze. Good luck tonight, Breeze shouted as she eased out the door. Just as she made her exit, the telephone rang. Mia Moore rushed to answer it. I'm downstairs. Buzz me up, ma, Fly Boogie said. What are you doing here, she asked. You forget about the deposit? I was late going to the bank. Didn't want to keep that much paper on me. Mia Moore went to the door and buzzed him up. He walked into the penthouse with a Gucci book bag slung over his shoulder. He held it out for her. I take it that there's no need to count it, she asked. I'm never short, Ma. You know that, he replied. Where are you going? Carter and I are supposed to be meeting with the mayor, but it looks like I'm being stood up. Carter's been unavailable all day. I can't get in touch with him. Did you run into him at the casino? Nah, I ain't seen him, Fly replied. The nigga's slipping, though. If he let you leave the house looking like that and you not on his arm, he crazy. I saw your whack-ass boyfriend today. Mia Moore laughed as she shook her head. You need a girl, Fly. I worry about you. You can't trap all day and night without someone to go home to, she said. She grabbed a bottle of wine and cracked it open as she poured two glasses. Before your boy got out, you left me no room to get a girl. You took up all my time, he replied with a charming smile. Had a nigga around 24-7. A bitch would have had a problem with that, he said. I needed you, she admitted. I couldn't have held everything together while Carter was gone without you. I'm always be here, ma. No bird can get in the way of that, he said. You're the priority. My loyalty is always with you, he said. Mia Moore was speechless. She didn't know if Fly Boogie was loyal to her for business or in a more intimate sense. She knew that she should establish limits with him, but he was too good to her. He was good for her. She didn't mind having him around. Loyalty was hard to find. She handed him a glass. Have a drink with me while I wait, she asked. He took the glass and downed the wine before handing it back to her. I'm going to get out of here. It's late, he replied. He stepped closely to her, dangerously close, making the temperature in the room increase. He smelled good, looked good, and his youth made him fear nothing, not even Carter. Mia Moore could feel his attraction. The more they interacted, the more it grew. Fly had a thing for her. They both knew it, but they both were aware that it could never be. She would have to be very careful how she handled him. She didn't want to mismanage his young heart. Young boys were loyal, but they were also reckless when wounded. He kissed her cheek. Good night, beautiful, he said. If it was me, I'd never keep you waiting. My man keeps playing with me. He eats the fries off my plate. LOL. If I was your man, I would never eat your fries. In fact, I would buy you a whole separate side of fries to go with the fries you already had. In fact, if you gave me one chance and you left him behind, I'd buy you a whole potato farm and I'd make you fries every night if you was mine. I believe you, she replied, but it's not you, Fly. Carter would kill you for even having a thought. He's out. Things are getting back to normal. 
I need you to be okay with that. With my husband. You're loyal to the cartel, not to me. Nah, ma. Just you, he answered. He made his exit, leaving me and Moore's heart racing, and she grabbed the entire bottle of wine, drinking straight from the bottle. Where the hell is Carter, she thought, flustered and overwhelmed. While he had her waiting, he had no idea that there was someone in line just dying to snatch his lady. For real? Word. Also, she shot niggas for less than that, or had niggas hung and shot their wives for less than that just a few chapters ago. Of course, that was five years ago, but it was really just four chapters ago. Mr. Jones, I have your messages, his secretary said as he entered his office. His day had been long and stressful. Thoughts of Yasmin filled his head, distracting him, tormenting him all day. He had never been one to tolerate blackmail, but she was Baraka's daughter. Baraka owned half of the Da Vinci, and on top of that, his power was unlimited. He couldn't handle Yasmin like he would any other chick, because she was far from ordinary. He would have to handle the situation with extreme delicacy. Mrs. Jones wants to meet for drinks. She's waiting for you in your suite upstairs. Carter nodded, deciding that he would handle the rest of his business later. He headed out. The thought of seeing Mia Moore's face instantly soothed his troubled soul. She was his safe haven, his peace, and his guilty conscience made him feel like he could lose her at any moment. He made his way upstairs, knowing exactly what she had in store. He inserted his key card into the lock and pushed the door open. He opened it and walked inside, finding his favorite cognac already prepared. A note accompanied it. Have a drink and relax. Tonight is about us. Turn off your phone. I'll be up in five minutes. After the day he had endured, he could use a drink, and he downed it in two large gulps before searching for the open bottle. He poured himself another, took it to the head, and then finally slow-slipped a third. Finally, he felt the tension melt from his shoulders as he settled onto the couch. There was nothing like a good cognac to unwind, but tonight he was feeling exceptionally loose. He licked his lips as he imagined the things he would do to Mia Moore. He wanted to taste her on his lips, and the thought alone caused his manhood to brick. He lay his head against the couch as he adjusted his heart on in his pants. The distress of his day had worn him out. He was more tired than he had realized. He hated that Yasmin had something over him. The pressure to live according to her terms was too much. I'm not playing the blackmail game. I'm going to come clean to Mia Moore. If she has to hear it, it should come from me, Carter thought. He heard the click of the lock, and then the lights went out as the sound of stiletto heels click-clacked against the tiled floor. It's Yasmin. I'm almost certain of it. And Mia Moore's going to walk in on it. I love that you set this all up for me, Ma, but I need to talk to you about something important, he said. Shh, was the only reply he got. The room was so dark that all he saw was a silhouette of her trench coat, and when she lowered onto her knees and fumbled with his belt, he knew it was next. He closed his eyes as she licked his length. He was throbbing, and she could feel him pulsating in her mouth as she took him in. No gagging, no shallow throat. She was a pro as she worked his shaft with her hand while sucking the life out of him. It wasn't until she said, I told you, Carter, I get everything that I want. When he heard her voice, he jumped up, pushing her off of him. What the fuck? He exclaimed as he tripped all over himself while backpedaling away from Yasmin. He was stumbling all over the place. Suddenly, he had turned into a clumsy oaf. He couldn't seem to gather his bearings as she advanced on him. Don't fight it, Carter. Just take me. Take me any way, every way you want to, Yasmin said as she pushed him towards the bedroom. Either he was as light as a feather, or she had suddenly become He-Man, because he couldn't evade her as she aggressively pushed him onto the bed. His mind was screaming no, but his dick was clearly in the game as it stood to attention as she lowered her body onto his girth. You drugged me? He asked in disbelief as he placed his hands on her hips. He didn't have the strength to lift her off of him. She hadn't meant for him to drink three glasses back to back. She had spiked the bottle with roof and all, hoping to keep him submissive through the night. The amount he had drank left him completely sedated. He could feel everything, but even now remembering how he had gotten to this point with her was beginning to fade away. All he felt was a pleasure as she bounced on his dick. Damn, he whispered. The fact that he had fallen for her okey-doke had him feeling like a sucker. She was in control, at least for the night, and with him incapacitated, there wasn't much that he could do. 
In his mind, he knew that this would be the straw that broke the camel's back. In a situation where the truth sounded like lies, Moore would never believe him. As he blacked out, the last thing he heard was Yasmin whispering in his ear. You should have just gone along with me, Carter. You know you love it. So whoever called him, the secretary who called him and said, Mrs. Jones said, meet her up in the room for drinks. He should go to her and be like, yo, I went up there and I got sexually assaulted by Yasmin. And so I need you to tell my wife exactly what transpired. Plus you're fired. Like who called you and acted like you're there? They were my wife and said to meet me up there, meet them up there. And he couldn't recognize that the handwriting wasn't Mia Moore's handwriting. Like you don't know your wife's handwriting. I know my wife's handwriting. Like if I see my wife's handwriting, I know it for a fact. You don't know it. Okay. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Uh, you can leave a review on Podchaser. Copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts. Copy and paste that into Good Pods. Um, thank you to everybody who's listening to us on Good Pods and to everybody who's leaving reviews there and also on Podchaser. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast, uh, or on the Good Pods app, you can uh, leave a tip in the tip jar. All money goes towards buying books for the show, or for buying movies for hindsight movie reviews. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. There's three chapters left, y'all. This is grand. Thank y'all so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name, did you say?